Hello, everyone. Welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. I'm one of your hosts, Katie Halper, and we have a guest co-host today, the wonderful Rania Kalik. You're really in luck that she's on with us because she's someone who lives in Beirut. She's been to Syria. So for all those reasons um, and more, she's a really great, uh, has a really great perspective on what's happening right now uh, in Syria. But we're also going to talk about other things. So just waiting for Rania to come in. Then we'll uh, make her a speaker. And thank you, Yuri. We already have someone in the in the queue who has a question. Um, oh, and GSOC, thank you. Oh, Brad, we've got a lot of questions. So we're just waiting for Rania. Hold on one second. Also, make sure that you tweet this out. We want uh, as many people in here as possible because this is a cool community that we got here at Colin. Um, hold on, I'm just writing with Rania Kalik. Okay. Rana Khalik. Khalik. Let's see. Is she there yet? Hold on, let me share this with her. Make sure she has it. Hold on a second. Why won't this... Sometimes this link is... I just want it to be... All right, hold on. Copy link... I go to Rania. Oh my God, what is going on? It's like, who is hack? Is someone? Hold on. One second, guys. Uh, I'm. It's like It's like Colin doesn't want me to invite Rania. Rania. Okay, now I got it. Okay, let's see. Um, hope everyone had a good weekend. I apologize. I'm, I'm a little sick. It's taken me a while to kick this thing. Hold on. Okay, she'll be in in a second. So, while while we are getting ready, everyone tweet this out. Also, make sure that you go to um, uh, usefulidiots.substack.com because we have a great, great extended interview with Joshua Landis about Syria. So, that's something you can do. She's coming in in a second. Okay, let's see. Balloon animals holding. Thanks, guys. Thanks for bearing with us. She'll be in in a second. I just want to wait since the questions go to her as well. I don't want her to miss any of the questions. Wow, we got a lot of listeners so far. That's great. I mean, a lot of questions so far. Did everyone, Oh, did everyone watch the Super Bowl? It was so ridiculous, the Pat Tillman thing, where they totally sanitized him. Uh made it seem like he had not been killed by friendly fire, was not a critic of the Iraq war. Also, people are so dumb. I tweeted, uh, uh, I tweeted to Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake tweeted out something about, uh, something about Pat 
Tillman. Let me look at what I, what she did. Hold on. It was really kind of hilarious. Hold on one second. Okay, let's see. What did she tweet? What did she tweet? Um, I just have to share this with you because the response from conservatives was really funny. Okay, so Carrie Lake tweeted out, because Pat Tillman was brought up during the Super Bowl, Carrie Lake tweeted out, Pat Tillman is one of the greatest Arizonans to ever live. He makes me proud to live in this state. And I quote tweeted, I said, um, you know, he was killed by friendly fire, which the army covered up, thought the Iraq war was illegal and was going to meet with Noam Chomsky, right? And idiotic conservatives were like, how dare you? He's still a hero. As if the point of my tweet was that he was not a hero or th as if the point, no. Okay. As if the point of my tweet was to drag him. Uh, it was to drag the, the military for killing him and covering it up. And also to point out that he had politics, which uh, she would find, I'm sure, reprehensible. Carrie Leak. Okay. Perfect timing. Okay, Rania, I invited her to be a speaker. And now, once she accepts, okay, great. Yuri. Hey. Hey, hey, Yuri. Hi, Miss Helper. Hi, Miss Kralik. How are you both doing? Good, you? Good, thank you. I'm doing very good, uh, Miss Helper. This is the first time we've actually spoken voice to voice, and I've and I've caught one of your live streams. Oh, good. So well, why so, don't you so, catch them usually? Do you are you are you have you subscribed to my channels? Useful idiots and the Katie Helper show. I'm 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 not a subscriber, but I always try to catch your programs. Except I always miss your programs because there's always over like a dozen like live streams to to uh, follow. <laughs> well, you got to obviously prioritize mine. But when I say subscribe, I, I mean, it, that, that, that 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 is true. That is true. I am an asshole in that respect. So. Yeah. No, 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 but subscriber doesn't mean like a paying person. I just mean like if you hit subscribe and then you press the bell on the YouTube channels, you'll get notified, hopefully. Who knows? Because it's so weird. But you'll get notified when I'm going live. Well do, well do. I, I, you know what? I need to make a much better effort. I also have to make a much better effort of, of, of catching uh, unauthorized disclosure. I'm ridiculously behind on years worth of episodes so yeah oh that's... well i think i think what it shows is that there's just a plethora of content which is a good thing on the left yeah but you gotta prioritize you know you know that that is true there is actually way too much content that i don't even have the time during the 24 hours i'm often awake to even read everything that's going on that from like why, why are you awake for that long that's no good oh because well because because i'm very much like a nocturnal like person yeah. in that respect <laughs> Yeah, but you're supposed mm. to be asleep just during the day. If you're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sleep. No, that is true. That is true. Yeah. But there's so, but you see, that's the thing. There's so much interesting documentaries. There's so much interesting, like muck raking stuff that's you know that's happening. That like if you slept those seven hours that people try to do in the evening, you're you're gonna be missing out on like a lot of like the, the like breaking news and like a lot of like really interesting shit that's going on. So so I try to stay awake twenty four hours, forty eight hours is my yeah, I'll that try not to do that. That sounds unhealthy. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say, <laughs> like even the twenty four hours more, you would be more clear eyed be if you slept yeah. more you would you would have the wherewithal and the clarity to prioritize listening to my shows and Ronnie's shows. <laughs> so that's your first. I like how we're hearing about a potential like health hazard, and Katie's just like pushing her show. Well, you I appreciate that commitment. I always hey, respect Katie's commitment to like how he'll heal. I just hey, want hey, to. Hey, that's hey, how he'll heal. 
Katie Helper, Miss Helper, just like Miss Call, uh, just like Miss Call, is the hardest working indie yeah. journalist in this ridiculous business of independent journalism where it's so like precarious and everybody has like their patreons that they need to push yeah and so forth, yeah so. it's true it's true katie is do, one of the so, hardest you know, workers you, i know so, so so you do what you gotta do and whatever whatever miss helper is doing it's working for her because the amount of like subscribers the amount of people that like that like donate i assume to the patreon so forth is pretty effing yeah, katie, katie has well, like not, katie has like an empire that. I don't want she people does. to think that, I mean, it's not like I don't have to hustle. That's why I, I wish I could, like, if I could, I would give all this out for free. But I always yeah. have free content every week, obviously, and then I just do some extra stuff that's paywall. But I, but and it's all, all to, like, uh, to, to fund the show. No one's getting rich off of it. I have editors right. and producers. So. That, yeah, I can't, we've seen Katie's many mansions, the Katie's many homes. Yeah, right. And all your cars. <laughs> She has yeah. just like homes. You own you own like villas across <laughs> Europe and yeah. Hey, yeah. that's hey hey hey. You 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 want to live in the big Alper? You want to live in the big Apple and be like an indie journalist? This like like this is the stuff you got to do. So, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to respect. You got to respect. You got to respect it. No, that'd be awesome if Katie had several homes and I'd have somewhere to stay. I could just travel the world staying at Katie's many homes. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately. Likewise, li- uh, likewise, uh, you know, likewise for some comrades in Lebanon, Miss Colic, you, Mara Osman, and Rania Masri. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, right. which, 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 by the way, completely off topic, and I wasn't even going to, like, you know, ask about this, but in the future, I, I, I am, I, I would love to, 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 to visit Lebanon, and if I was to go to Lebanon, would love to meet you, you know, in person. So, just throwing. Oh that yeah, out if you're if you're ever, you know, if you're ever here, let me know. I um, I encourage likewise, everyone and, to come and visit like, Lebanon. Likewise, yeah. likewise for the pair of you in uh, likewise for the pair of you, if you want to visit Belgium, which is the belly of the beast, oh. if you're oh. a Congolese solidarity person, and if you hate NATO and the European Union, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, I've heard it's boring too. Seems kind of boring. Yeah. Belgium is not boring. No, oh. Belgium is not boring. Where I live is boring, but Belgium itself is not boring. <laughs> okay, good to know, good to know. So, what's so, your so, so where I live, Villers-Laville, is notoriously boring, but like Brussels, Waterloo, Louvain-Nerve, Antwerp, Bruges, no, 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 those are, those are worth, you know, worth okay. visiting. So, yeah. <laughs> good to know. But, uh, question, but yeah, a question to the both of you is... Uh, is Miss Helper? I'm. I, I've been wanting to ask you this question for for you know you know for a very long time. Which is, what do you think it's going to take for the U.S. left, the the various people power movements there, to show more solidarity to the plight of Native Americans, Indigenous Hawaiians, and Native Alaskans? And Miss Colleague, is there anything about Syria that? Uh, you know that, that that you can update us uh, on and 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 also we're we're you know if we if one wanted to help out with the rebuilding efforts in Lebanon but didn't want to get ripped off from an NGO how 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 should one help out uh, Lebanon in in its recovery of its various political earthquakes and accidents and whatnot. Uh, I actually just got cut off, so I don't know what the question was. I got. Did from you get cut like, off because of Lebanese? Electricity no. issues? Uh, 
Not necessarily. Colin just like glitched for some reason. Oh yeah. Me off. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll answer. You want to repeat your question, and then then I'll answer your first part. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Just, just uh, the Rania so, part. Just the Rania part. Because I got okay, your first perfect. Part. Yeah. So, uh, Miss Colin, if 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 somebody wanted to help out Lebanon in, in its rebuilding efforts after the port after the port blast and the recent rumbles of the earthquake. Uh, how how should one help out without getting ripped off by one of those Western NGOs and so forth? Do you want me to answer that first, Katie, or do you want yeah. to answer the... Okay. Uh, so, actually, there's no guarantee. Uh, there's absolutely no guarantee. It's I think it's like pretty common in anywhere in the world, if you help out, it's, some of it's going to be a rip. Like, some of the money is going to get ripped off, and especially in, like, countries that deal with corruption, which is, like, every country, honestly. Uh it, or even whether it's the country or NGOs, NGOs can be particularly corrupt as well. Um, you just have to kind of understand that some of that money is not going to go to where it's supposed to go. Um, it's much harder to help Syria, of course, after the earthquake. Uh, Lebanon, after the port blast, definitely lots of NGOs got an influx of funding. I'm sure not all of that went to where it was supposed to, but then also like a lot of governments like France kind of rebuilt some of the areas that were destroyed. But there really is no guarantee at the end of the day. Unfortunately, sorry to be pessimistic, but there isn't. <laughs> so then, so 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 very quickly, should then should should then the response of any well-meaning person that does actually want to help out uh, a Lebanon or a Haiti and so forth is actually not to go through the NGO world and actually learn the language of whatever country they want to help out and actually just and actually just like go there themselves and then just work with the local grassroots folks or the pe- or the people who say here's how you can help out and all that I mean, it really depends. I mean, it really depends what your capacity is. Most people don't have the capacity to do what you just said. Like most people are not able to get on a plane, travel to a kick him off work, travel to a country, learn the language and get involved in like the local grassroots stuff. So I don't want to discourage people from like donating where they feel they can, but you definitely figuring out where to put your money. If that's what you're going to, if that's how you're going to help does require like asking people who might be on the ground and asking people who might be in the know and doing a little research to make sure it's going to like a place you feel right about. But definitely if you can travel to a country for sure, that's, that'd be great. If you can travel. All righty. Rich lefties. You've, you, yeah. you, you've done the memo. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, thank you. Well, go. thank you very much. And looking forward to uh, Katie's response on, on the U.S. left's uh, urgent need to, uh, to to show solidarity to indigenous. Yeah, people. I think that um, I got cut off for a second or thrown off. Um, I think that uh, there needs to be a lot more education about it. I just think that people really are kind of ignorant about it, uh, which makes sense because uh, why would the U.S. government and uh, U.S. Uh, in Corporate general, want media. people to know, yeah, want people to know about their shameful treatment of um, First Nations people, Indigenous people here. Yeah. So, well, thank, you. thank you for the question. You're, you're you're very welcome. Keep doing the great work you do. I'll try to yes, yeah, seek tune seven in hours on... and and properly subscribe and make sure to to, to catch all, all of your you wonderful live. You press subscribe and hit the bell. And tomorrow I'm going to have on a Palestinian author. Uh, a great Palestinian author uh, who wrote a very good book. Uh, well, she's written multiple novels, but her most famous one is Mornings in Janine, which is much needed oh, right now. Oh, nice. Her name is Susan Abuhawa. Um, she's going to be on, and so is um, uh, 
so is Aaron Good, the historian. So that'll be. Oh, fun. what time? Well, like, 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 what, like, what time? Well, I'll I'll make, I'll make sure to tune as, in. As every week, which you know if you subscribe, what you're gonna do? Oh, she's as, gonna as, as I do every week, it's at seven <laughs> seven p.m. EST. All right, so all right, okay, I can make it. I'll, all right, I'll make an effort. I'll make an effort. I'll I'll be if there. You're there. I'll be I'll there, give you a shout out. If you're there, I'll give you a shout out. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Good luck the other ones in. I'll make a Yuri Voodoo doll if you're not there. Oh, damn. That is yeah. heavy. Oh, wow. Katie does then I not definitely have around. to tune in for this one. I'm going to have like all the sleep I need tonight just to make sure I will tune in for this. Yeah. See, this is all about getting you to sleep well. It's all about sleep hygiene. Yeah. All right. Shout out to that because I see other people want to ask questions. Okay. Thanks, Yuri. All right. J, uh, G, hold on. G Souk. Tell me if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. And if I'm not, tell me how to pronounce it. Hi. It's close enough. It's hard how do I say it? It doesn't matter to me. People okay. say it in all different ways all the well, time. Well, why don't you tell us how to pronounce it so we all learn? Well, that's not why I called Miss Hartford. Well, I know, but it's a collateral bonus. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell you someday. Oh, okay. Fingers. All right. I'll have to, until then, I'll try to survive. All right. Yeah. What's up? You know that psychic Marianne Williamson, correct? I mean, she's not a psychic. She's a former uh, presidential candidate and uh, potential presidential candidate once again. She a friend of yours? Yeah, I would say she's a friend, yeah. Do you think she's any different when it comes to China and Russia from that saggy creature on ABC News? From that what creature? Saggy creature from USA Today. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Um, Who's this? I'm, conf- I'm confused. Uh, I think it's Susan Page. Susan Page. Yeah. Susan Page. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we have to call her Saggy, but yeah, Susan Page, yeah. She you, is a friend of yours. What you want to say? I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. They both turned out the same way, Miss Harper. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe she's the same. I mean, I, I, we kind of praised Susan Page today, so for saying that a Cold War with China would be bad. Well, what we say on this little call-in uh, doesn't matter anyway, so. Well, no, uh, right, perhaps, but we said it on YouTube where it does matter because we had way more viewers and listeners. Perhaps so, Miss Harper. And my question to Ms. Kalek is this. She's not coming to Washington, D.C. on March 18th. Uh, actually, I think, I'll be there for, I, think, I think I'll be there for that. There's like a, uh, uh, a rock war anniversary rally, right? That is correct, Ms. Kalek. Yes, I, I should, in fact, be there, I, I believe. Yeah. That makes my day, Ms. Kalek. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I'll be popping up in various places throughout the states over the next month or so. So, thank you for your time. Popping up like a balloon. Well, all right then. 
popping. Yeah, exactly. That's why. Don't call me a balloon. They're gonna shoot me down. Yeah, right. Don't body shame Rania. Okay. Yeah. Brady. Hi. What's up, ladies? Um, Thought I'd give y'all some good media, like a little bit of a good media roundup. Um, Me and my friends have been jailbreaking ChatGPT to talk to Dan which is the unrestricted do anything now mode for chat GPT. And it is a fantastic journalistic tool. Highly recommended to y'all take advantage of that. Ask it all the questions, make sure you record everything while you're communicating with Dan, because sometimes chat GPT will go back and delete the answer. It just gave you if it's too uh, controversial. And then I just wanted to promote the idiotic about Ooh, you broke up a little bit there. I missed it. Who's Dan? Okay, Dan stands for Do Anything Now. And Dan is a alternate personality for ChatGPT that does anything now. So questions that ChatGPT refuses to answer will be happily answered by Dan. Okay. And yeah, that I does don't mean that he, it, it does mean that if prompted, he will say discriminatory violent sexual things you know so keep that in mind um but if if you use the prompts responsibly you can get some really interesting answers to your questions um they might not all be legit but it's interesting nonetheless good tool to use for all kinds of stuff involved in writing and i wanted to shout out james corbett i don't know if y'all are familiar with james corbett yet but he has some a show called the corbett report it's an english teacher out of japan and he has a brilliant segment on his show called solutions watch where he talks about salute, like actual real solutions, like possible ideas we could follow to actually solve many of the problems we're facing in the political sphere. And uh, I'm going to pass the mic and just want to add that we're starting a new third party called the Proxy Party. I actually found someone from 2020 who had the same idea as me, and he really extensively went through the idea of a proxy party, which is like a highly legitimate uh, form of political party where votes are one-to-one. It's uh, closer to true democracy than anything we have so far. And I recommend checking it out. All right. As far as any other good media I have, I think that's all the good media news I have for you. So I'll pass the mic. Thanks. All righty. Andrew. Uh, Hi, Andrew. What's going on? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, I wanted to say a couple of things. Rania, the interview interview that you did with um, Justin Poder, I thought was really excellent, very much needed. Uh, I'm an ecologist who's very frustrated with the hyper focus on, uh, you know, fossil fuels as the only driver of ecological issues. I think we hyper focus on that to uh, the detriment of any you know, real desire to fix, you know, repair ecosystems. Um, and mm-hmm. also Katie kind of same props to you for your interviews that you did while you're in Hawaii. I think, yeah, I know you've both done stuff more recently than those two. And I, I've appreciated those as well, but I've, I, Katie, I forgot to tell you that. Um, yeah, I would, well, I'm no, I don't know. Not that you need props from me, but thank you for doing those interviews. No, props are good. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I didn't know you were. I didn't know you were an ecologist, by the way. That's new piece of information. Very cool. No wonder you're so smart. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I've done like uh, ecological restoration, uh, focused mostly on uh, plants, but kind of also 
I've also been trained in like wildlife management. So I'm doing a lot of the work that I do for a, um, you know, for, for both for the plants and the wildlife and the humans, et cetera. I think we all benefit, but, um, I was also going to say we got Aranya and Katie team up this morning. And then we also had a Katie on uh breeze show dating episode the other day. So I'm wondering, are we getting closer or farther from, uh, the left view because I want that to happen. I know you're all. You said closer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Um. Yeah. So I was gonna ask, um, what both of you thought about the Cy Hirsch piece and the, uh, you know, the kind of standard at this point attacks on it saying that it's a blog post that he's lost his mind he's not really a journalist um and also your all your thoughts on the belmarsh tribunal there was talk going around uh there was a recirculation of some clips rather from democracy now where democracy now was kind of um accusing assange of being a uh willing or useful idiot for uh trump and then when when did they do that uh, they did it a couple of times during the kind of highest p- fever pitch of the Russiagate era. I, I can, uh, like, DM you the clips if you want to see them, but I guess I just thought, like... Assange oh, is one of the few... Go ahead, one of the, Thank you. Assange is one of the issues they've been very good on, I thought. Um, yes and no. Um, I think overall they've been pretty bad on Russiagate, and that had yeah. put them at odds with Assange in a couple of ways. <laughs> Um, they have been certainly favor, you know, like supporting him since he was removed from the Ecuadorian embassy. As far as I know, they haven't ever really wavered on that. But I was just curious, like how you both thought, um, the overall plight for journalists would, is going, um, like Assange, it seems like will be extradited to the U S and so for him personally, unless we can organize a really massive groundswell of protests again, you know, surrounding the, the court will he be, where he'll be tried and every single politician's office and homes, et cetera. I'm, I'm not sure that he will particularly be saved, but I wonder if you think that his sort of martyrdom has galvanized other journalists, um, yeah. including yourselves, like how, how has it kind of um, changed your perceptions? And then like, do you think that the government, the U.S. in particular, but also EU, will be successful to keep using the same playbook where they keep saying like, oh, well, this, you know, Glenn Greenwald is a blogger, Cy Hirsch is a blogger, uh, Julian Assange is just a whatever, we'll make make up something for him. And then I, and then I have one other quick question for you both after that, but I want Um. So what's the first question? Sorry, just remind me. Oh, Cy Hirsch. I'm going to oh. wait to talk about something. Until Wednesday um, on Useful Idiots, if that's okay. But, Rania, do you have any? Sure. Uh, I actually think that the most interesting thing about the Cy Hirsch article is the reaction to it. You've had actual government officials. Uh, In the U.S., you had, I think it was, was it Ned Price? Um, Basically responding negatively to it. You had, like, a German official publicly being like, this isn't true, like actually responding directly to the article. And then the mainstream media was pretty much silent about it, except people on Twitter being like, oh, nothing he says matters. This the amazing Pulitzer Prize winner who's exposed like massacres in the past and all kinds of government wrongdoing. Uh, we can't listen to him because we didn't like what he wrote about Syria. 
Um, and so I think that that's been really revealing. Uh, and it kind of goes with the way that Nord Stream, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline explosion, uh, which was obviously sabotage, was ignored after like it happened. After it happened, like two or three days after it happened, it got all this attention. The media was trying to blame Russia. And then as soon as it became clear that Russia didn't do it, they stopped asking questions and pretend like it never happened. And so I think that's very revealing as well. So I'm not surprised that Seymour Hirsch wrote the article he wrote. That's what he does. But the fact that he had to do it at Substack, also revealing. Meaning like no mainstream publication, no mainstream outlet after his Syria reporting, like no mainstream outlet would publish him again. Um, and so I think it speaks to the fact that like speech is even more restricted in corporate media than it was during the, like, the Vietnam War. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I expect no less from Saish, um doing just excellent work over the years. And I, I think that with him. It's pretty hard, even for people like my parents who don't pay a lot of close attention to to politics. I'm sure that they know who Cy Hirsch is, and it would be pretty hard to just like convince them out of hand that he's just in, just lost his mind now and he's not a good journalist anymore. <laughs> but I wonder, yeah, like I I just hope that the the tactic doesn't continue to work. Like it did work against Assange. There was other elements of character assassination that kind of had to go into. Um, making him a acceptable target in the mind of the public, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that will be a, will be able to be used against Cy Hirsch. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm curious to see if this tactic of just saying, oh well, they're a blogger, not a journalist, so it's not an infringement of press freedoms if we, you know, take away their bank account and imprison them and mm -hmm. torture them, etc. Um, I was also going to ask both of you, uh, would you? consider doing like a I don't know like a sort of workshop for citizen or independent journalists or also like a media literacy workshop sure yeah if someone if I was invited to do one yeah why not that sounds like a great thing for someone to organize <laughs> right on well um, where where would be a good place to contact you that's not flooded uh I mean, I try. It's hard. I try to respond to email. That's my name at Gmail. Um, but it's hard. I don't always get to because I am flooded. <laughs> but I try. Katie, okay. I don't know if you want to. Well, no worries. I might also uh, yeah. find you on here then. Yeah, that works too. What? Sorry, Katie. I, didn't... I have a delay. Okay. I have, I have a delay and my Wi-Fi is not great, so I didn't hear what you said, Katie. Uh, I didn't say anything yet, but you have my email, right? Oh, geez. Okay. I don't know. Can either hear me now? I feel like I'm totally cut off. I can hear you. I do, yeah. But there does seem to be a delay. You, I think it is a pretty pretty accurate description to call you one of the most, the busiest uh, journalists on the left. So, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll be patient. Anyways, thank you Debate. both. I'm going to get out of here because I think uh, my connection issues are making this awkward, oh. but appreciate you both. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, Nizar. Hey, good Monday morning, ladies. Hello. Good Monday morning. Great. Um, hey, uh, always appreciate 
the both of y'all and all the hard work you do. Um, just wanted to say it on you. Thanks for all the reporting you do from Lebanon. Uh, most of my extended family, even though I was born and raised in the U.S., all my parents and extended family all live in Lebanon, in not in Badid, but all this northern area. Ah, wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, the only way we can even send money to Lebanon is through Western Union, reliably, mm -hmm. or to physically physically go there ourselves. And uh, my mom just my mom just yesterday was asking uh, me. She was just like, "Do your peeps know of any way to like send money to Syria for the recovery?" And I was just so it's great that you get <laughs> on you come on and tell me no, there's not. Well, <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, it's it's there's not there's not much you can do immediately unless you have a relative or you know someone on the ground who's right. like going to Syria, and you can send them money through Lebanon exactly. through Western yeah. Union, and then they take it. There's also some international aid organizations that will be able to get money in sooner, the big ones, like the ICRC, the international, uh, uh, what's the ICRC stand for again? Whatever, it's connected to the Syrian Red Crescent. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, is like, like funneling funds, or I don't know if funds, but aid to the Syrian Red Crescent, sadly, because the Syrian Red Crescent is Syrian and relies on money coming to the right. Syrian Central Bank. They can't receive it directly, but they can through the big international organizations they're connected to. But yeah, as far as like, unfortunately, I don't want to. I don't want to discourage people from sending aid. There are a few avenues. It's just few and far between, unfortunately. Yeah, and so I, I just really appreciate the, you doing the best you can to inform us and at least keep us aware of how our, what's going to happen to our donations and like, you know, the whole situation is an absolute mess, especially because there's almost no coverage of Lebanon in mm -hmm. English outside of you. Um, yeah, and the, that's your unfortunate. Small so. That's really uh, yeah, exactly. And it's I just such a close part, you know, close piece of my heart is, you know, always in Lebanon. So I, always, I really appreciate the work you do. And Katie, I've called in times before. I don't have to thank you for the work you do, but thank you both again. Um, keep fighting the good for good fight, both y'all. Appreciate it. I'll uh, bounce and let other people talk. Peace. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, Steve. Hello. Hello. Hey, it's Steve. Hi, Steve. How's it going? Hi. Well, it's going horrible. Uh, uh, this week seems worse than last week, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I'm help. I'm helping. Don't you think? I'm. I'm helping to organize the San Francisco rage against the war machine which is sponsored by code pink even though the washington dc <laughs> rage against the war machine isn't sponsored by code pink and i just called up code pink and said hey i want to help organize because i can't just sit on my hands hmm. uh you know I, I i feel like it's therapeutic even to help organize things so I hope everyone goes to one of the Rage Against the War Machines on the 19th. But um, it's so sad the way the left is fighting with itself, as usual. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Dore and Aaron and, uh, and Max were on uh, totally bad-mouthing Medea Benjamin the other day. Who was? And, uh, Who was? Aaron and Max yeah. and Jimmy Dore. Yeah, uh, we're what? totally bad-mouthing Medea Benjamin the other day, and I understand why they're upset 
but uh, it's my understanding that Medea Benjamin wants is is going to the Washington event personally. But you know, identity politics um, gets in the way of things. So and so, what happened was her board uh, told her she couldn't go because someone was there who they didn't like. And uh, it's just sad. So my, my, my attitude is I just want to organize with everyone. I don't care if you're anti-imperialist, then it's organize, organize with me. Come to the events. So that's the way I feel about it. And uh, I wish the left didn't do these things, but it's always doing these things. Yeah. Yeah, so I, but uh, I want to say one last thing. Uh, we're all organizers. I mean, look at this call. You know, I mean, I just ask everyone to come to the, to the events on February 19th. Um, everyone's an organizer because, especially media people, because we uh, are in contact with other human beings. So there's nothing special about being an organizer. Uh, just find a cause in a group that you believe in and help them. So, that's all I had to say. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks for the, your comments. I'm a Medea fan, I'll just say that. <laughs> Same, I'm a Medea fan. Um, sorry, I kept sneezing, so I kept having to mute. I hope that didn't seem rude. It's not COVID, though. Don't worry. Unless Katie gave me whatever cold she has. No, don't think I did. Virtually? Can you do that virtually? Actually, I remember one time me and Eugene did, like, a live stream. For We have a Freedom Side Thursday live stream. It was, like, last year. And I ended up getting COVID. And I had COVID during the live stream, but I didn't know. And then I, like, told him I had COVID as if, like, I really, for some reason, was so dumb. COVID made me really dumb. I was like, I'm so sorry I have COVID. As if I had exposed him or something. <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah, that's sorry, my not I, so funny story. I don't even think you're left beefing because I think some of these people are not on the left. I'm not going to be. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. lie. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, mean, I agree with that. How you, if there's a question about how you respond to having people on the right. I mean, there is a there is a discussion to be had about whether or not to have people on the right at anti-war rallies. I think that is a discussion to be had. But I'm not yeah. going to pretend that certain people are on the left. When they're not. Yeah, I don't think this is really a fight. I don't know if it's a fight. I know there's some people on the left who have an argument about the best strategy to deal with uh, doing anti-war stuff with people. And it's, I mean, there's some people like, when we, I mean, there are some people who are kind of like far right types. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. But yeah, I don't think it's really fair to characterize it as like the left necessarily beefing with itself. And also, like, I think from what I've seen, on the internet, there's been a lot of like ego involved in some yeah. of this where people are just trashing each other and that automatically turns me off like immediately. Yeah. I'm like, I don't yeah. like I on at this point, it's like, do whatever. I just I'm not involved. I don't yeah. I, I don't want to be involved in something where people are just trashing each other. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we're not talking about Scott Ritter, by the way. People are like, he's off the list. That's a totally different issue. Moral issue. Anyway. All right. Um. Okay, uh, let me. I want to skip to Afeni. 
Um, uh, last time Afini was on, I didn't get to her. So let's get to Afini, and then we'll go back, okay? Make next caller. Hi, Afini. And thanks, Phantom Asfante, for that heads up. That Afini. I really just came, I came just to listen and just to say hi. Um, but... <laughs> I and because I'm literally I I would have my staff meeting ran over way longer so I, I usually watch your show like right after that but I'm watching it right now but either way um I just really but that that I just really need to say this like I think that the amount of people on the quote unquote left that are telling people to just get over things that directly affect their lives shows the complete and total lack of empathy. And mm. I think that the left is supposed to be the compassionate side. Right. You know what I'm saying? And this is not the only anti-war rally that is happening. There's literally one that's happening a month after that. And on top of that, this is not the first fucking anti-war rally that has happened in D.C. either. So mm -hmm. if people want to show up to this one, I'm not telling anybody not to go. But what I will say is, is if there are people that are literally openly voicing their discomfort, not like there are multiple people that people have voiced discomfort with. It's not just one or the other. This isn't just about trans issues or just about reparations or one right. thing or another. Like, there are multiple th things that, are, that people are saying about this. So I just think that maybe instead of just automatically going into like the whole like bad mouthing, talking shit about people, maybe you should just try to understand where other people are coming from because as i mean clearly if you can understand where the fuck uh like a right winger who has openly said that they do not support various social issue here if you can understand where they're coming from and meet them where they're at then i don't understand why you can't meet people who you say you are in community with where we are because i personally i everybody who knows me knows that i am anti-war i will i'm also a veteran i come from military family I know personally how the military affects people's like interpersonal lives. And I also know and I also have like, a very deep understanding of how the U.S. military operates outside of our borders um, and outside of just the effect that it has on its citizenry. So, like, I really, really do not want to be at war with uh, I don't want to be a part of this proxy war uh, uh, with uh, Ukraine and Russia. I don't want to be fucking funding a dirty war in goddamn uh, Yemen. I don't like trust me. I don't want none of my tax dollars or nobody's, no one else's lives being lost. But at the same fucking time, this one anti-war rally is not going to stop anything. Like, Biden is not going to look out his window and say, oh, my God, look, mm -hmm. Jimmy Dore is speaking. Fuck it. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and cut the funding. Like, that's just not going to happen. Right. This is going to be this is gonna be a fight that is going to be happening for a fucking while. So if people are not showing up to this one anti-war rally, maybe people should fucking ask why. Yeah. Yeah, I actually agree with what you're saying. Um, I think I think you're right. I think it's unfair to be angry at people who don't want to participate in something that also includes others. Like I don't know, there. I know. I mean, from what I understand, like there are like I don't I don't want to be with people who think that like women shouldn't have rights or that like or that like reducing this to a fight over identity politics. I'll be the first person to talk about when I think identity politics has certainly caused the left to fight with one another. That has happened, it's very true. But in the case of, if people are, people have every right to be upset and not want to participate in something that includes people who are literally like dragging certain minority communities um, and saying that their rights don't matter. Like have your anti-war rally, but be okay that some people might show up. And I think you make a really good point that this one rally 
is not going to change the overall grand scheme of things. And I think it's a bit ridiculous to portray it as either you participate in this rally or you support nuclear war. Like, that's right. not how it works. You're I think it's fair, you know. Yeah, like, it's like there can be this rally with the people who want to do it, fine. And there can be a discussion between people about whether the left should be sharing platforms with the right and what exactly that means and when it's, it's, it's actually, like, strategically a good thing to do that. Because I think there are some situations mm. where that's okay, like, especially if it comes out with actually changing policy, for example, versus some rally about who's speaking where. And it really does seem to me about a lot of egos um, and people wanting to trash each other. Exactly. I, I, I do think I do think you're making a very very fair point. Like I don't like seeing some of the nasty stuff that some people involved have to say. And I actually would not want to be in the same rally as them either, personally. If you think like, I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who lives abroad, who lives in the third world, who deals with the consequences of imperialism every single day, right in front of my face. Um, and I, but I'm saying that as somebody who also understands this rally is not going to either make the war worse or better. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's like this end all be all. You have to either go or not. And what, what you decided to is like a judgment of your character and whether you should be trashed online or not. Like it's just at this point, it's just become absurd. Yeah. yeah. And this is the last thing Big I'm going to say just really quickly. Like I am, I'm not one person to say like, we should not work with people that are on the right at all. I do not, I yeah. am an organizer who organizes in a space where I have to or- talk to people that are conservative. I've talked to people that are like Democrats that are like super establishment, like, you know, corporate supporting people, you know, type people. And mm. there's nothing wrong with coalition building. But I think where people have missed the fucking plot is, is even when you look back at like, you know, Fred Hampton and the uh, their coalition with the between the Black Panther Party and the Young Patriots, the Young Patriots were a socialist anti-racist organization. They were already ideologically aligned with the um with the, the black panthers and with also um there was the uh latinx gang that i can't remember as well i'm not the gang but latinx organization as well they were also like an organization with that i cannot like get on top of my head but it's like i understand like wanting to work people that are on the right but again i'm gonna i want to bring people to the left i don't want to have to move right to mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. order to like organize those people so if i have to sit up here and stand in a place where I know people do not respect me or do not respect people that I'm in community with. I, I haven't, I take an issue with that. And you know, I'm an abolitionist. I've always said that the core of abolition is personal transformation. You create the world that you want to see within yourself, within your organizations, within your community. If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to do that personal work, then you do not fucking believe in abolition. And I don't care what anybody has to say about it, period. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Yeah, the young I mean, lord. Thank you so much. The difference between like I'm happy. In fact, I think we need to have libertarians on in there because I think we need to have people like we do have to have a big tent. But there's a difference between like being a libertarian and being pro Andrew Tate. Yeah, yeah. Those are two very different things. I'm sorry. Like I'm sorry. And you're not going to convince me that like. Andrew Tate's a good person and that what he's saying is great. Like, I'm not going to go to a rally with Andrew Tate. I'm sorry. You you can, but I'm not. Yeah. Not that he's going to be there. I'm just saying, like, there's some people involved who think Andrew Tate's great. Right. Literally. But yeah, yeah, thank you guys so much. And I love you all. And I'm going to be listening and probably 
watching this episode because my ADHD is terrible. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. And Katie, and well, I, I don't think I've ever met you in person, Rania, but Katie, we definitely have to get to the, together soon. But I would love to meet you, Rania. Yeah. Well, I'll New be York. in New York. I'll be in New York at the end of February, beginning of March. So yeah. y'all can find uh-huh. me there. All right, cool. Talk to y'all later. All right, bye. Okay. Um, let's see. Sorry, where are we next? Um, Mike. And then we'll be faster because we have a long queue. Sorry about mm. this. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Got to unmute Mike. Maybe Mike, like, stepped away. I always assume they've either stepped away because they were waiting for a while or there's a glitch in the Matrix. Hold on. All right, uh, Mike, we come back on in the line. We're going to go to Cade. Hi, Cade. Hey. Um, just a couple of quick things. Um, one, um, there is also, just so people know, and no one has to come, I'm not saying they do, but there is a branch of the Rage Against the War Machine Rally in Ann Arbor on Friday, and they actually hold, I think, it's a separate, it's a group that just holds, I think they meet every Friday, actually, um, doing like anti-war rallies in um, Ann Arbor, or maybe that's not, not a rally every time. Maybe it's just a meeting sometimes. But um, they're hoping this one will be bigger. So I I am hoping to go there just to meet some people and you know, sort of network with the anti-war people. And if there are people there I disagree with, there will be people there I disagree with. Um, but then um, specifically about the Sunday news shows. Um, as Katie probably remembers from last week, you know, I hate balloons as much as everyone, any, any, any person on earth, you know, I, I have a burning urge to pop balloons. Um, and I, of course I hate the Chinese because they've launched a balloon. So, you know, right. um, but I was still a little bit disappointed to hear my governor, um, governor Gretchen Whitmer only asked about TikTok. Um, so, because there's actually kind of some interesting stuff happening in Michigan politics right now. It's the first time in my lifetime that we've had, um, that we've had, I'm sorry, I just, just checked by comment, but um, it's the first time in my lifetime that there's been a Democratic majority in the House and the Senate and um, and the governor's mansion in Michigan, um, and that's because, you know, we had an independent redistricting commission, so it's not gerrymandered anymore. Um, and there was a big budget surplus, and... Um, Governor Whitmer decided that um, she, although she'd promised to give everyone $500 rebate checks during her campaign, she decided to downgrade that to $180 rebate checks um, and give like a marriage penalty for that. So married couples only get one $180 check between the two of them. Um, And then instead of putting the money toward those, um, she's um, putting money toward um, checks or toward a fund called the SOAR Fund, the Strategic um, Outreach, I don't know, it's it's for corporations, especially a corporate welfare fund. Um, and so they're giving $600 million this year to this corporate welfare fund. And it was actually interesting because there was sort of an interesting dynamic that was similar to force the vote in that there was, there's the House majority, is it exactly a, um, they need every Democratic vote in the House to pass a bill. Um, and there was one Democratic state house rep that actually held out um, and was demanding that they remove this SOAR funding. Um, and his name, um, uh, sorry, his name was 
Uh, it's Dylan Wagner, I think. Uh, Dylan Wegela, sorry. Um, and then, um, so for a while, it seemed like they were going to have to remove this, you know, corporate bailout funding. Um, but then one of the Republicans, actually the Republican in my district, um, state house rep, um, jumped over onto the Democratic side to help help get the corporate bailout because apparently he wants some of that money to go to some corporation and that's going to be in our district. Um, so I, anyways, I just thought there was kind of interesting stuff going on in Michigan politics, and it's kind of funny that then they just want to ask her about TikTok. Um, so I guess I was going to ask, did you did did they ask her anything else, or was it really just this TikTok China focused questions for the you know Michigan governor? I only saw the TikTok part, but I bet they asked her something else around that, but probably not as interesting as what you're talking about because it's a stupid Sunday morning news show where they don't ask anything interesting. <laughs> yeah, and nothing local usually. They probably just kind of have her around to, to get you know her national profile, build it up for for her. 2028 run or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got cut off for a bit, so I didn't hear. Oh, oh, well, just oh. um, just there was an interesting dynamic going on um in the Michigan in Michigan politics where they're they're giving instead of giving bailout checks um to people to you know counter inflation like they promised, uh, they divert a lot of that funding and they're giving it to corporate welfare checks to help corporations. Uh, and they kind of needed every Democratic vote they could get, they thought, um, and one sort of stood up um, like we'd been asking the squad to do during, you know, force the vote and then all of the subsequent votes. Um, and one Democrat did hold out, um, and he's been, like, brutalized, brutally attacked in the press and maligned. Um, but, and his name is Dylan Wegela. Um, but, um, but then a Republican flipped to, to help the corporate welfare checks. So... Um, that's all I was, I was just, I was hoping that, you know, the press might occasionally ask, you know, questions to the Michigan governor about like Michigan politics, but that might be too much to ask. Yeah, it is too much to ask. Definitely yeah. too much. Not in our media. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just funny. Cause I mean, I really do think she's priming herself, for, you know, she's kind of, she's had her two terms as a governor. She's kind of priming herself for a national run in the future. And it's just, it's, it's hilarious that, you know, yeah. our local politicians are never judged on their own record. Right. And anyways, um, thank you. Um, as always, thanks for, thanks for watching thank the Sunday you. morning news shows. So we don't have to. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Lightning round. We're going to be really quick. Annie. Oops. I, I meant to invite you to be next caller. Um, hold on, invite to speak. Oh, I meant to make you next caller. Hold on. Well, either way, you can talk. Can you hear me? As, okay, yeah. this is my first time on this, so I'm trying to figure it out. But I had something I really wanted to talk about, but I got I'm I'm a little derailed by where the conversation has gone. But let me start with what I wanted to say which is uh, for my sins, I get to spend a lot of time in rural America. And I have people, I'm, I, they're mostly white, but uh, all working class and all want to know what the hell to do. People hate what has happened, um, you know, what is going on and, and people want to know what to do. And I want to say one thing. 
parenthetically, uh, Katie, I knew your uncle Ricky in the sixties. Um, and here's the story that goes back to then. So, uh, I, I grew up in down South, but I moved to New York and, um, Madam New came to speak, and I went out and was among seven demonstrators. I had eggs thrown at me. Um, very shortly after that, from this retrospect, very shortly, I, I was a speaker at an anti-war rally at that site where there were 30,000 people. Wow. So I feel like as I go around rural America, I feel like we are at that point. We could be at that point if if everywhere I go, I'm being told, I mean, things like that a whole bunch of us kind of leftists would basically agree with. The American people get it. They really get it. You know, I mean, this idea that we're being controlled by big business, that um you know, the two parties are not all that different. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if you know, but I spent time in rural Kansas. Do you know it was not the Democratic Party who mobilized for that vote on abortion? It was local people. And the Democratic Party basically didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, and over and over, I'm told that these people say, you know, all right, we're in the, these strongly Republican areas um, you would think the Democratic Party would want to help us, but they don't. They really don't. And so, you know, I'm kind of at the point, I don't know what to tell people. I do not know. People want to do something. And we're kind of in this environment, you know, where, um, it, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to tell people. But I, I want to, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Um, you know, I, I, I really think we're on the verge. But then when you all started talking about demonstration and, you know, we should exclude people who do not 100% agree with us or say things that maybe are offensive to us, if we had done that in the anti-war days, there wouldn't have been 30,000 people. You. But, like, who was a speaker? I mean, not to get bogged down in this too much, but we're not talking about people attending the question of speakers. Like, who right. I mean, think of a famous, like, socially reactionary person who was involved in the anti-war movement? Oh, you know what? Give me some time and I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. There were people who, um, well, were extremely pro-life. We had... Mm pro-lifers we had um we also did have people who came out of communities that were racist i mean the world was a different place back then but in bringing people together you build bridges i mean i wish i wish your uncle ricky were here you know to yeah. talk about the whole idea of what a united front is and one of the things i i wish somebody could explain to me why, who is against the war in Ukraine and who is opposed to the neocons? Because I listen to some people on, uh, you know, on YouTube um, and they have a lot of opinions that I really disagree with, like on fossil fuels and things like that. 
but damn, they're good on Ukraine. And as someone who has very close ties to that part of the world, and, you know, I talk to people and they just say, we got to stop the killing. You know, this is a yeah. proxy war that is destroying people on both sides of that border. You know, this is not good for the Russians. And it's not good for the Ukrainians. And I really don't care if someone made a bad statement about trans rights. Have a trans speaker be there and well, explain. Yeah, that's probably the maybe the solution is to make it be more inclusive anyway. Yeah, because I want to be able to go as I'm in these rural areas and go, look, there's these demonstrations happening and there's trade unionists. And oh, that's the other group. I tell you what, um, I can't remember if Ricky was there, but, you know, we we were beaten up down lower Manhattan by trade unionists, you know, but we kept trying to work to reach out to them. and and so I am really bothered. I heard um, Afeni say that she feels like everything is a personal transformation. I'm all for personal transformation. Um, and, and I really hope we all go this route. But I don't think you put your personal transformation above the whole political movement. I think if you do it, you know, another thing, I lived abroad for several decades um when the thing with the iraq war was heating up you know and tony blair said the 45 minutes to get saddam could send wmds to london in 45 minutes you know what a million and a half people turned out that saturday in hyde park i mean it just happened uh people overwhelmingly reacted and i just read an article in the i think it was either in the Guardian or the New York Times, that that did, you know, it didn't stop the war, but it had a huge impact. And for us to say, oh, these demonstrations won't do anything, you know, have a demonstration of people who are fully on the left, but also have some bigger things so that, you know, things that are not so based on uh, having a list of things that keep people off the platform. Let's have everybody on the platform and let's have everybody talk about what their particular strain of the movement brings to this overarching goal. And then the other thing is I'd really like uh, you or, uh, you know, particularly you and Aaron to do a show where you talk about why is this, why is the right wing uh, anti, anti the proxy war? I mean, and they really genuinely are. And I hear it from all over the world. I listen, you know, I've lived in many places around the world. And so I follow a lot of different people. And there are people who are really right wing who really, really want this war to end. I want to join with them on yeah. that. And anyway, so I, I'll just let it go. But but I would really like to say I think from my uh, sentiment of being actually on the ground in rural areas, there is so much that um, 
you know, if we find the right form, if there were the way to actually bring people together who are literally pulling on my coattail saying, what do we do? Tell us what to do. You know, we've got this little group of, you know, 25 people who meet, you know, and we talk about public affairs, but we don't know what to do. Yeah. It, there's like, it's like Tinder waiting for the match to make yeah. it explode. So I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. And also I put in the chat a link to my uncle's, I made him a web uh, Facebook page. So I oh. put in the chat, it's on Facebook. If you just look for Ricky Eisenberg, a celebration of life, you can find his Facebook page. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Annie. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, Amanda. Katie, Katie, before you take the next caller, I unfortunately have to go, but thanks everybody for letting me join today and watching. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for bringing the international voice to the show. I appreciate it. Always happy to. Thank you, everybody. Have a great evening, day, afternoon. Okay, Amanda, what's what's on your mind? Okay, so my what's on my mind is is um, seriousness, and I will make it brief. Okay. First thing, I feel like what has been what's happened with this rage against the war machine thing. It may not stop the war if there was everybody was participating and there wasn't an uproar or anything. But what it does when it falls apart like this, or like it has slightly fallen apart is it makes the anti-war movement look unserious. It makes Code Pink look unserious about anti-war. I understand Afini's position 100%, and I would really like to further have further discussions because this is important, just like the discussion about whether or not we should be arming other countries to fight a third country. We don't have those conversations at the level where our politicians can hear it that's why rallies can help but if a rally is falling apart that says something different yeah i mean I'm, that, i'll say yeah. one thing is that yeah. i think you can argue both sides of this issue i won't i'm not going to condemn people who make one argument but i there are people i respect like um black alliance for peace and i think that they're serious and i think they would probably argue that having certain people speak makes the war mo- anti-war movement look unserious. I'm, do you know what I'm I saying? Do. I think you can make I it. I do. That's yeah. why I'm saying, I mean, I'm the jury's still out for me on the whole thing. It's just kind of upsetting because it doesn't feel like it. As Annie was just saying, sometimes you have to put your personal aside for, for the group. And sometimes you just say, I'm not going to that one. There's assholes there, but you don't need to be, make a big to do about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm, and I'm not wanting to minimize anybody's harm at all. Yeah. The other thing about being on, at, at, on the war, anti-war rally, we have to stop thinking left and right. This is about the establishment and anti-establishment. This is about power and the people who are telling the people in power what they do not like about what's happening right now with the war. And we have to stop clinging to these things left and right. The last thing is, you know, I think the, the, that Rania said the thing about the balloon. It's really hard to take a balloon seriously. And it just reminded me of, of a bumper sticker I saw once that, that said, it's really hard to say bubbles 
with a straight face or mm. a frown. I think balloon is adjacent to that. Right. It's just kind of fun in your mouth. And so how can you be serious about it? Yeah, we got to They got to rebrand it if they want us to be serious about it. That's absolutely right. Thank yeah. you for the work that you do. Katie. Uh, oh, we're just helping the security state, the nation state, the the uh, military industrial complex. God yeah. damn it. I wish they would stop stipulating that's what we want to do, because I sure as heck would prefer something different. Yeah. <laughs> thank well, thanks, you. Thanks, Amanda. Okay, Jonathan. Uh, make next caller. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. Hey. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I, I missed uh, Rania as well, because uh, I do love it when you guys team up. And yeah. I love it when all my favorite... Uh, you know, content creators and and uh, all that team up. So I'm I'm really looking forward to listening to the uh, Valentine's Day episode of Bad Faith. But uh, okay. only one few things. I said I was a little bit. Uh, I was much more personal than I usually am. But I don't. What I did on that show is I don't really divulge anything about my current personal life. I just talk about the past. Just so you guys know. So if you're looking, well, for I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to it one way or the other, just because, uh, like, I've never, you know, on any topic, I've never heard you uh, not speak intelligently on it. So, uh, and I, like, I also, like, I listened to the the uh, Useful Idiots episode, uh, and between you guys and, and Rania and Ben Norton and, and uh, you know, the crowd around, around all that, like, you know, like, I do feel like you guys have created probably one of the best informed audiences on that subject. And like, I'm like, I just was recently talking to some friends in Europe and they're like, why aren't we hearing anything about Syria in, uh, in English? And that's basically, I have to point them to people like you and, and Rania as well. Now I heard you mention earlier, you were having Aaron good on, is that going to be on the Katie Halper show or useful idiots? The Katie Halper show. All right, I love that guy. We had him uh, on uh, Macro and Cheese podcast uh, very recently, and it just it went really well. And I loved, loved, loved his book. And yeah. I don't know if you caught it, but last night during the Super Bowl, he had the best tweet of the night because of if you know his subject matter and all that stuff. He tweeted, uh, "The NFL is as rigged as the rest of this country." Oh, was it a rigged game? So I thought. Yeah, basically, but it was just his commentary. It meant so much more if you know who he is and what he's written about. It was hilarious, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, I just uh, I just wanted to wanted to say that I know you're in a hurry and there's people behind me, so uh, I'm not gonna not gonna talk about anything else. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for all of that, all the content you've been putting out there, which you know has made me uh, better informed than you know, 99.99% of the people in this country. So wow. you did that. Wow. Well, I'll see you on Tuesday, right? Yep. On the live stream. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. We're going to go to Pedro. All right. Because we already heard from you. You're right. Sorry. Um, uh, okay, Pedro. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to skip you over, No War, Chris. I'll come back to you. Somehow you didn't show up. So we'll do Pedro, then No War Chris, then Brian, then Lance. And it's a wrap. Okay, hi, hi Pedro. How's it going? Hello? Well? Can't hear you. You're, you're like... Oh. Wait, try again. Oh, oh God. Oh, 
Can you hear me well now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, I was to call, but I heard that. Can't hear you. You sound really far away. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Hello? Hello, hello. All right, we're going to come back to you, Pedro, because we can't hear you. No war. Hi, no war. No war than Brian. Hey, Katie. Uh, Of course, there's no coverage of, like, uh, East Palestine and and uh, and Cy Hirsch on Sunday morning, but um, I did want to touch on on this war event, uh, anti-war event next Sunday. Um, it just seems like the left's not big enough to be, or the anti-war movement, because that is distinct from the left, is not big enough to be gatekeeping. And I understand there's people there that you disagree with there's certainly some that i disagree with but to gatekeep or attempt to gatekeep and or for an instant code paint to to prevent medea benjamin from speaking at the event because of uh whoever they have a problem with i can only assume um i haven't seen any specifics but i would assume it's probably people like jackson hinkle and scott ritter um and you know what like the anti-war movement just isn't big enough. So let's not shoot allies. You want to, on that thing, you want to fight uh, Jackson Hinkle on his social uh, social issue stances? Absolutely. I disagree with all of them. I would tell him that. I think anybody who disagrees with him would tell him that too. But if he's right on being against a, a proxy war, like, I just don't see where we're a big enough movement where we should be uh, cutting people out. So that's all I'd say on that. I mean, and to the I, thing that, that, that I think was that said earlier, honest, that it's not going to... Hold on. Go ahead. Me, I, I think you can make that argument, but I also think that there are lines. Now, you may think that, like, Jackson Hinkle does not cross a line, and that's your, that's fine. But I think that we obviously grapple with where that line is. I'm sure there are people who you would say are a bridge too far to have Alan as a speaker. I think that's the issue. I think in general, yeah, we don't want to be making our ranks smaller than they already are. But I just think that we have to be honest about how we decide these things. Well, who is beyond the pale? I don't know. Is there no one beyond the pale for you? If they're against war, I want them in my camp on that, and I'll argue with them and fight them on every other issue where they're wrong. But no, and specifically if it's Scott Ritter, because you're definitely alluding to somebody specifically. No, and I'm, if it's Scott Ritter, I'm, no, we're talking. We is it somebody? Scott, is it a situation where we've had we don't? Scott Ritter? Hold on, let me respond. We've had Scott Ritter on the show. I'm referring to a totally philosophical question that we're having, which is that would a KKK wizard be okay? And I'm not saying there are any KKK wizards on the lineup. I'm just saying let's be honest about the question of lines. Like, would a KKK wizard be okay to have as a speaker? Is it, do you align with people on issues or do you cut them off? I I don't cut anybody off at Uh, any point. 
All right. We're but not- different than cutting off and not inviting to be a speaker. I'm not comparing anyone on the 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 uh, speakers list to a KKK wizard, but I'm pushing this because I mean, R- Ron Paul said some terribly racist shit. Funded uh, newsletters that are are horribly racist. Do I think he's an asset? Yeah. Hell yeah. He brings a constituency. And if we well, that, can, that's and if we can rope yeah, in constituencies, from a KKK wizard. I'm asking I, you about the KKK wizard. I'm not gonna. If I don't know any KKK wizards that are anti-war, I haven't seen that yet. It doesn't seem like a policy that uh, somebody that has the uh, sure there the philosophy of the KKK would be against war well i mean but this is i think it's an abstraction because there's like the the specific issue is this anti-war thing so i I think the abstraction that you're offering is is a little bit jerking around can i can i finish can can i can i just make this one point please uh i think it's shirking around the issue to to do an abstraction to the kkk uh when that's not the issue there is specific issues that have, people have with as far as i can see two people and if they want to cut those two people off that bring a lot of people to the table and have good followings and 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 we need to big uh bring this alliance as big as possible to have any power at changing it then why are we cutting them off we fight them where they're wrong and we say they're and so let's be specific about the people. Is there anybody beyond Scott Ritter and Jackson Hinkle who is majorly a problem? Jimmy Dore is disliked by some people, but he's never been anything uh, beyond except anti-war. So any problem with that is a personal issue or something about COVID. You want to disagree with Jimmy on COVID? You're welcome to argue with him on that. But he's right yeah, on I'm anti-war. So let's have Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Dore there. So like. Saying that people should be not invited over their position on COVID. All I'm saying is I don't think it's a straw man as some people are saying in the chat, and I don't think I'm making an abstraction. You're talking. You're you have a right to say what you're saying, and one of the things that you're saying is that we shouldn't be like uh, making this movement any smaller. And all I'm saying is that there are times that we're going to have to grapple with this. If you want to say that these, in the case of these people, we should not be kicking them off, that's fine. Then just say that. But but a lot of people in this chat are making the argument a larger argument. It's an argument that I agree with in general, but I do think that we're going to have to be honest about, like, part of the argument is within certain limits, we shouldn't be kicking anyone out. And But I think in this movement, who is beyond the pale? I, th- I would ask you to be specific because we're having a specific discussion about this event on Sunday, February 19th in washington dc and a few satellite events who is beyond the pale i'm not commenting on this rally i've already said there's no one in the rally who's comparable to a kkk wizard i'm saying we are having an abstract conversation as well as a specific one and so i'm also addressing the more abstract issues as well as the specific one and i think we have to admit that there's something to be grappled with and you can then say these people are make the cut but i don't think that in general i think in general mostly the tendency should be towards a big tent, but there are going to be people. We have to be realistic that, I mean, down the line, there may be people who uh, are alienating to some people. And then there's, that's another question is like, does this person bring more people or lose more people? These are all questions that we have to grapple with. 
I mean, a little bit of that is like, do we have to give a safe space to everybody? Uh, you know, no, you don't like what one person says. Just, you don't have to listen to it. But if ninety-seven percent of the people there are people you agree with, and you don't like one, then worry about the ninety-seven and be with the ninety-seven percent. That's not what I'm saying. I it's said, not. what if someone causes more people to not show up than show up? Is that something that should be taken into account? I'm not asking you to tell the people who don't want to show up what to do. I'm talking strategically. All right, if I'm going to If they want to limit the their their ability to move people and to bring people into a movement, then I think they're wrong. That's bottom okay. line. But also people who are inviting people who will alienate. And I'm not saying anyone on this list is going to do that, but these are questions we have to take into account and wrestle with. I see you would blame people for not showing up to a rally because they don't like someone. My argument is that if someone would cause more people to not come than come, then that's not a disciplined organizing decision to invite that person. All right, Brian. Thanks, no Brian, you're up. Hey, Katie, thanks for hosting. You do a wonderful job uh, sticking strategically uh, from a macro level. There are points in our time where the world can go in dramatically different directions. Uh, for example, in the year 2000, Al Gore won the popular vote. While he was a corporatist, he was also a, a environmentalist and would have made efforts on that front instead of prosecuting a $10 trillion war in Iraq. And then here a few years ago, we had Bernie Sanders building momentum in the Democratic primary and on the verge of becoming our candidate and the uh, powers that be in the Democratic Party and our awful media um, flipped it, flipped it uh, in front of the South Carolina primary. And uh, we got Joe Biden. So looking forward, is there anything that can be done to position Bernie Sanders to where if Joe Biden did have to bow out um, from running again, instead of plugging in another uh, Democratic operative, if his Bernie Sanders movement could be reignited and uh, really push it across the line this time, because Obviously, Bernie is uh, going to be in line and lockstep with the Democratic Party, but um, there could be a, an opening coming up, and it's not that far out. So have you given any thought to um, what can be done to, to lay some more groundwork for that? Um, well, what do you think? I'm going to flip it back on you. Well, I think that... Um, continuing to elevate independent journalists such as yourself, and you were obviously outspoken, uh, Bernie supporter, um, but it's going to take some people with some deep pockets maybe um, uh, influencing our corporate media because they're able to sway the masses pretty easily. But um, I don't know, from a grassroots perspective, all the, the pieces were there and um, it was just, you know, a shift within 48 hours, you know, before the, uh, the South Carolina primary and all of the, uh, the media aligning against him. Um, so these, these changes happen quickly, but, uh, affect the next, you know, 10 or 20 years. Yeah. I think that, uh, we just have to kind of rebuild from scratch a little bit because I think we had a lot with Bernie and then he really did not do any, he really dropped the ball on creating kind of a movement as much as he I think genuinely cares about movement, but he did not. I mean, I, it was COVID. I think he was in crisis time, but 
I think he really should have done more to create a movement out of his campaign. Yeah, and uh, I think a big reason Biden is uh, set on on continuing. Well, I think he's doing a, a fine job, but uh, the main reason he'll push forward when he said that he he may not is because there are no uh, alternatives uh, with popular support except Bernie, and Bernie is the uh, Democratic establishment's worst nightmare. So um, uh, I don't know. Starting from scratch sounds like hard. I think we need to start thinking about this now and do whatever we can to uh, position ourselves because what will be just uh, one year out and um, we'll be picking our next nominee. So uh, I hope uh, you continue giving that some thought and we we can uh, keep uh, brainstorming and uh, positioning ourselves for, for that moment. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Lance and then um, Pedro. Hi, Lance. Yeah. Hi, Katie. How you doing? Good. You? Uh oh, Lance is going to embarrass me by saying something. What's about. that? <laughs> I said, embarrass me by saying I know nothing about. Oh, that's flattering. Thank you. No, but I maybe I don't know, but um. Okay, so one thing about the rally, but then about so now Scott Ritter. Just just to clarify, he went to jail for some kind of pedophilia. Is that the idea? Yeah, but I'm not talking about Scott Ritter. I mean, I'm just, I'm no. more, yeah, but he did yeah. for, not pedophilia for sex crimes. Okay, then 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 that's ridiculous. Let me just. He was busted trying to pick some like to meet a younger person. Um, well, someone that he thought was a minor. Yes, someone who thought he was a minor. Yeah. Someone who, like, had the uh, agency to travel to say, yeah, I want to do it with you. Now, that's not right. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying. It's not like he was going again trying to find some young kid, a pedophile. I don't remember the age of the person. All right. Well, let me just throw this out, right? So maybe I will say something. Something which is had him on useful idiots. I mean, right. he served his time. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He ser- Hold on. He served his time. I, I kind of believe in serving time. And then if he, it, honestly, I wouldn't have gone if he hadn't served his time. Right. If well, I mean, this is where we're at now, Katie. Okay. And so I'm sorry. So I got to throw this out at you. And I've used this example before, right? So William F. Buckley, who, as you, as you know, his job was to clean up the act of the wacko left uh, uh, John Birch society even Goldwater was considered a radically, you know, dangerous righty, which he really was. And okay, so here's William F. Buckley interviewing Stokely Carmichael, who had done 20 years for rape. He did the rape. He didn't deny it. He wrote Soul on Ice while in jail. He goes on William F. Buckley. William F. Buckley was such an unreconstructed racist, white supremacist, not even funny, in his intellectual, subtle way. So here's William F. Buckley interviewing Stokely Carmichael in his Boston, you know, blue blood. So, uh, Mr. Carmichael, uh, your thesis is that um, as 400 years of the white man being your enemy, uh, that your job now should be to, to kill all white men. So here's a guy who went to jail for a rape that he really did for 20 years. 20 years. That was a pretty bad rape, I would suggest. It wasn't just, okay. So he, you know, so he gets out of jail and he's doing interviews on William F. Buckley. 
And there's a very quiet crowd of mostly, mostly white, sadly, college kids in the audience, you know, but very quiet and respectful. I mean, where are we now? Where are we now? You know? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that happening today? They'd be, everybody would be canceled that was involved. They'd cancel the light, the lighting guy if he was on the show with some rapist that came on the show. This is insane. And this is why the left has got so many levels of removal. I grew up with first generation suburbanites. Now you got people whose grandparents were from the suburbs. Doesn't mean that there wasn't a lot of racism, but you had a sense of people that were poorer than you. Now they're just completely, I don't know how we do it, what we do about that. But this is just, this is just I mean, absurd. But the fact that William F. Buckley had him on is less surprising. I mean, he's not like, um, he's not uh, someone who would be sensitive to rapists, who would care about that anyway. Well, yeah, and I don't know about that. It's a black guy who did some violent crime in the inner city. That's exactly the kind of people that Buckley said is going to ruin us. No, I don't know about that. I know what you're saying, but I don't think it was like, I don't care about rape. I think it was just like, this guy wrote a bestseller and this is what we did. They got a platform. It's like, okay, we, yeah. we, 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 allow, you know what I mean? I, I think it was just that, you know, but so I, I just think that's a huge problem. And unless we get past that, where we're going to, now we actually are getting where you, you have to do a profile search. I have a funny skit, right? Where it's like, Hey, let's watch a movie. And you go through each movie and oh no, that's a Woody Allen flick. Can't do up. Oh, no, Weinstein produced that. No, can't watch that. So you go through like 30 movies and say, Holy crap, we can't watch anything now because they're all assholes. Up oh, Polanski, Chinatown. Nope. That's off the list. I mean, this is where we're at now. Yeah, I think the thing with Ritter is that he said that he thought that the person was was older than 15 and was just, just going back to the Ritter thing, was older than 15, and and it was like role play, that the person was younger. Well, you know, I, I, I think it would be very appropriate if Scott Ritter didn't get to go to any of the enclaves and the, maybe the after parties. You know, I'm not saying you have to accept these people any more than you have to accept... Jerry Lee Lewis, who married his 13-year-old cousin, who was madly in love with him, who said, leave us alone. I Because I think that, and this gets weird, and I know you get canceled for saying this. Fortunately, I don't have a big enough platform. And this is the thing with Miley Yiannopoulos, that, like, he's a harmless, he's a harmless as a fly. What people don't realize is that because of even today, but especially back in the day, it was so in the closet when it comes to gay life that you had that happening a lot more where young men who were totally down, they, they knew what they were doing, but they were below, they were minors and they were coming on to older men. It's just, it's just something that happens and it's not good. I'm not suggesting that Miley Yiannopoulos should be doing speech at schools. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying that we have such a different, you know, and so what's the opposite? What's the opposite? They do a lot of horrible things, but they check enough boxes of identity politics. Hey, come on, man. They had a rough life. They had a, you know, I mean, so we just choose worthy victims. It's a, it's a, it's the flip side of that. Worthy and unworthy victims. Now we have to say, are they worthy or unworthy advocates for our cause? And as far as KKK, look at what Fred Hampton got killed for, former KKK. Right. They had to cover up their tattoos. They had to at least claim. Doesn't mean that, like you say, I quit drinking on Thursday. Now I'm not an alcoholic on Friday. But at least it was people that made the effort that said, yes, I disavow it. Then, of course, they have to get decomposed or whatever they call it, you know, deprogrammed. But so I just think that we're, we are closing a lot of these. And by the way, this class thing, like it happened on the the march after the inaugur inauguration of Trump and the women of 
color who maybe said ax instead of ask you know maybe they didn't even graduate high school except a ged and they're hanging out with and so they're like you're just not the right kind of people for us come on the classism and the, the frankly racism of well we love people of color as long as you have a postgraduate degree then you can join but not people from the hood they're just not interested i'm sorry it's just true I just think there's a lot of classism. That, and you know what it is? It's people that don't rely on all this stuff. That, well, let's put together a program in two years and then in four years. There's people out there now that are hungry. That's a real slice of slice and dice. Well, we have to do it. For, you know, we're not incrementalists, but we have to do it. No, we need it done now. We need a revolution tomorrow. You know, and so this bit about what you call it incrementalism or call it whatever you want. But we're moving at a snail's pace, folks, on the left, and it's over if we don't do something real radical, real fast, in my view. All right. Well, thank you. Can I can I say one last thing about the about the rally? I know you want to get going. I know you don't like long things. On the rally, I went to the No Nuke Rally in 1982, and it was anti-nuclear war, anti-nuclear weapons. I get the idea of being inclusive. But it's like the Black Lives Matter. Now everything is framed as the black activists. And it's all black activists that want to get rid of prisons and the black activists. I'm a white activist and I'm going to open a cafe hiring prisoners. Nobody is more anti-prison than me. And I, it, so anyway, the rally, it ultimately is a pacifist rally. Because what if you're not anti-war? What if you're like pro-World War II? What if you're like, right. that not a, look, Noam Chomsky is not a pacifist. Is he persona non grata? He's not anti-war. Do you see my point about that, that as much as I like inclusive, all war is bad, but are they framing it in a way that they're that's not, good, they're only going to get good point, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Yep. Thanks, Lance. All right. Thank Pedro, you. Pedro, we're going to try you again, then Matthew, and then we're out. Hi, Pedro. Can we hear you? Uh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, well, first, thank you for being so patient with us, like past the hour. Sure. Uh, so, uh, I was Rania said something, and I wanted to 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 talk to Rania, but that's okay. Uh, it's about the DC rally, and she was saying I'm not going to the event because this and that. So, I I, I would just like to say to Rania and to you, actually, we we kind of disagree on that. And I actually wrote on Twitter something about that on Randy Credico uh, timeline. You know Randy, right? Yeah, Katie? of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Randy too. I spoke with him a couple of times. And uh, Randy tweeted about all this drama about who was not going, going. And he, he was uh, arguing that he was glad that some people are not going. So I'd reply to him and I'm going to read it. Uh, this seems like a childish thing to do, to not speak at an event just because you don't like some other speaker for whatever reason. And then I said, and, and then I asked, and the reason is, and then I quoted Bidia Benjamin, Matthew Ho, and Scott Ritter that uh, we uh, are not speaking anymore. And then we had a long chat, a long chat and some people started arguing, oh, because of LaRouche or whatever. And I, ju I just said, I don't agree with the premise. It would be better to not stand next to people like that. And I said, this is an event where people with different beliefs share a common goal. Why not fact focus on a common goal and uh, ignore the difference? And then I asked to, to what's all the drama about to, uh, to the rage against the war people. And th that's all I wanted to say, Katie. Yeah. So that's all. I, yeah. I think in some we have to look at this kind of scientifically. Like, if it's something that you can judge people for not going, but then also you can be like, well, maybe this is a lineup that 
some people are just going to have a problem with. And, yeah. Sure, sure. Okay, I understand. I don't think I'm not cutting off people who are going. Yeah, sure, I mean, okay. I'm I'm not going because I'm not in D.C. Um, I don't know, actually, if I was in D.C. It's a good question, but... Okay, okay. We agree to disagree. Uh, if it was me it, uh, that was invited, I would go to, to speak what I have to say, I, and I wouldn't care about somebody yep. else. Yep. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, Matthew, you get the final word. Okay, yeah. You there, Matthew? Uh, hello? Hi, how's it going? Oh, very good. Uh, thank you for staying on so long and taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. Um, so I just had a follow-up on a uh, comment someone made earlier. Do you believe the plan for the Democrat Party may be to run Michelle Obama instead of Biden if they decide he's too old to run? Oh, I haven't heard that, but I, I could. I mean, I think the guy is going to run. It's a good question because I do think people are worried about. Well, okay, if if Kamala takes over during his, his shift, then she doesn't have to get elected, right? That's true, of course. They don't have to worry. But I wonder if they worry about just having an unpopular president, if that'll damage the, um, if that'll damage the, um, the Democratic Party. I don't know. Have you heard this or is this just a theory? Well, it's a theory that's been circulating a bit, but again, I don't know what to make of it altogether. Yeah. My sense is it could be, she's certainly popular enough, she would get most of the Democratic voters, and she would get enough Republicans to go over the edge, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe they will. I ne you never know. I mean, they ran Trump, so. And she's more qualified in terms of, like, she's as qualified as he is in terms of her resume. Not that I want a corporate lawyer president, but you know what I mean. Well, yeah, well, the Democratic establishment wouldn't mind that at all, though. That's right. my thinking. So. Yeah. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I remember, I never, I didn't think that Obama was going to be this great savior, but I definitely thought he was going to be better than he was. And I was at his, at the DNC, I was at both, um, no, I wasn't, I was only at the first DNC convention. I remember hearing her speak. And I was, like, totally taken by her. Very embarrassing. So, anyway, well, thank you for that question, Matthew. And oh, no problem, man. Again, thank you for taking me. Of course, yeah. Um, anyway, so this has been a good, great uh, call-in. I'm going to be streaming on Tuesday. Make sure you come because Aaron Good is going to be on as well as um, a Palestinian author. Hold on a second. Sorry, I'm about to cough. I have to. I have to go off. Uh, silence it for a second. Um, <coughs> uh, Palestinian authors in Al Buhawa. They're going to be great guests on the show on Tuesday. Um, and that's about it. Make sure you join. You subscribe. Usefulidiots.substack.com. Also, um, uh, YouTube.com/slash Usefulidiots. Rate and review. Uh, wherever you can, our podcast, and we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. How do I get off this end room?